There was a baby girl named Faye that had a heart transplant from a baboon in 1984. Baby Faye was born premature with a hypoplastic left heart syndrome, where basically her heart was underdeveloped. With that condition, the baby was expected to live for about two weeks. And so the mother gave the doctors permission to use a baboon's heart as a transplant. The transplant initially worked, but Faye began to decline 14 days after and passed away. This was a medical marvel at the time, but it raised a number of concerns. Like, was this safe? Was it wrong? Is this our future? Well, let's talk about it. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Bluetooth Bacteria Podcast. This is your host, Sabrina, and I'm here today with my iGEM team members. If you're new to the podcast, we are part of the Pittsburgh iGEM team, and our goal is to talk about synthetic biology and its current applications. Today, we'll be focusing on animals as organ donors. So organ transplants were one of the most dramatic medical advancements of the 20th century. The idea that someone can replace their own organs with another was pretty mind-blowing at the time, and it still is. In 1954, the kidney was the first human organ to be transplanted successfully. From there, the liver, pancreas, lung, heart, and other organs were added to that list. And during that time, the potential for organ rejection really limited the number of transplants performed until immunosuppressant drug called cyclosporine was designed to prevent rejection of a new organ. With that and continuous medical advancements, organ donation has become common practice. However, despite all these advancements, there are two major problems in the transplant community. One, there are long wait lists, and two, there are organ shortages. There is a huge gap between organ need and organ availability for transplants. And according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, over 114,000 people in the U.S. were waiting for an organ in 2017. And about 20 patients die every day because they were unable to get one. I'm wondering, is there any like money thing that goes on it? Like, it, or is it like a strictly... Um like first come first serve or it's like based on like who can afford it. So the wait list that they have for who can get a, an organ is, it's very, it's very complicated. They kind of just give it to uh, like based on priority, uh, like mm-hmm. who has the most need. There's mm-hmm. actually a lot of like ethical debates about like who should get a organ before another person. And it's mm-hmm. also about like matching, like does Mm. does this will this organ match this person like if you think about like a baby like a newborn baby like baby Faye I mean it's hard to get a match for her because you can't just put a 40 year old man's heart and I mean not that it doesn't matter if it's male or female <laughs> <laughs> you can't just get a 40 year old heart from an adult person and put it inside like a seven pound baby Mm-hmm. So that's also another problem that they have. So can you guys guess what potential solution these people have to these long wait lists and organ shortages? Animals. Um, you're, you produce- right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so with animals, I don't see how it could be 
why it would be a negative thing to offer animals as an alternative to human organs if they're in the wait list and they can't get access to a heart, a human heart in time? Don't we already eat animals? Can, yeah. Can we use those same animals that we eat to take advantage of the heart, the organs that they have that we don't eat? So when you're thinking about an animal for a transplant, you need to make sure that the animal has a similar anatomy and make sure that there's no cross-species infections, which that is one of the major concerns. You also, and like on a more economical side, you have to think of, are they inexpensive to breed? Do they have short births, large litters? And then they also can't have any immunological barriers to transplant in humans. And then obviously they shouldn't have no ethical concerns. So scientists mm -hmm. now have been looking at pigs, which are really good candidates because they do have similar physiological. They have similar structures to humans. Yeah. They have similar bodily parts. Um, like, yeah. Physical attributes, physical characteristics. Anatomy. Yeah, they have yeah. similar anatomy to humans. And they also have heart, large litters and short gestation times. And they're already used for widespread consumption, like all the time for food. You can't yeah, we could just take some part of it, right? Yeah. My question then is, so I know that different countries raise their farm animals differently. And one of the big issues is antibiotics and that kind of uh, close quarters cramped lifestyle that especially in the United States we use with our farm animals, especially the ones that we eat. And I know that pigs and cows they kind of live in really cramped conditions with lots of infections and over antibiotics. Could that be something that affects the ability to use the, like one of these pigs' hearts for, let's say, a child on the wait list who can't get a human heart in time? You know what? That's actually a really good point that I have not considered. I think what most people are trying to focus on now is that whether they can humanize a pig heart or a pig organ to be put in a human. Because like right now, if you were ever to put like a pig organ inside a human, our body is just going to immediately reject it. So what they're doing now is they're using synthetic biology to try to make sure that our body doesn't reject those organs. How far along is, has, is this process going so far? It's actually pretty far along, it seems like. Um, it seems like they're planning on doing clinical trials within the next few years. So the University of Alabama at Birmingham are researching how a genetically engineered pig heart could be transplanted into newborns um, to keep the baby alive until like a human heart becomes available. And then right now, like for example, they're using like CRISPR gene editing to knock out certain genes that would make our body recognize the organ and begin to reject it. And they're also using gene editing to make sure that that cross-species cross infections won't occur. So one of the things that they're concerned about is the pig retrovirus. Um, so the porcine endogenous retrovirus, which has the potential to cause infections to patients as well as like the general population. So yes, they're very close to doing it in clinical trials, but they still have a lot of ethical considerations they they need to take into account. Yeah, because um, I'm just imagining there's somebody on the list 
whose whose need is extremely high, so they're pretty high priority. But obviously, we don't want humans to be dying to, to give them their organs, although there are humans that die every day and offer their organs to others who need them. Yeah. Um, but if somebody needs it and they can't get a hold of it, maybe an animal one is a good short-term solution. Um, I actually had another question, though, uh, in the ethics category. Mm -hmm. um, with, I believe, other medical procedures, sometimes religion is a factor, and especially with um, animals. How do you think that will come into play with animal organ donation? I would think, like, for example, if, um, if they treated, like, a certain animal as, like, something that was, like, sacred, um, I would suppose that they probably would not be comfortable with, like, using that animal, especially because if they don't, if, like, a part of the religion is, like, not eating or, like, killing the animal, then I would yeah. think that. I um, agree. That's probably what translates. I agree. That's the yeah. point I was, I think I was trying to reach at that. I wonder, mm -hmm. um, like there might be someone who is such a high priority patient, but then if this uh, ethical factor or maybe a spiritual factor kind of gets into the, um, into the mix there and makes it a little complicated. Yeah. I mean, I, I think when you, if you're going to get an organ transplant, no one's going to force you to do it. You have to consent to it. But um, also, like, animal right activists, like, I think that's another thing to consider. Like, you know, they, they, they argue that using animals for any, for human consumption is not, is cruel. Like, even for, like, now, just the treatment of animals on farms is pretty bad. And then mm -hmm. adding organ farms to that probably won't be a lot of, po very popular for animal right activists animal right activists. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that probably starting up organ farms might be controversial, especially if we, have to, we would have to be the ones terminating an animal's life in order to access their organs. But I know, uh, like in Italy, all of the leather manufacturers just take, they import leather from the food industry um, because, you know, all of the cows and pigs that they eat, you don't eat the skin with them, so... They just collect the skins, and that's how they make their leather products. Maybe we could do, – do you see it being possible for organ farming to just be an ancillary part to meat farming? So the thing with this is that you need to genetically modify the pig organs for the human body to accept it. So it's going to be a little bit more expensive. Ah, uh, yes, I see, I see. Yeah. So you can you – can I guess you can still, like, use those – pigs for like meat and stuff but then you also need to keep these pigs available for when the person needs a transplant i think i feel like it sort of ties with this where if you're raising an animal just for their organs how how much freedom are you really giving them and i know that we sort of tied that to like the meat industry but what what about it is worse or better at least in your opinions like how do you think it's justifiable more justifiable or less justifiable to raise an animal for their organs versus raising them for their flesh because I mean I, flesh could be considered an organ as well you know yeah I think I would think that the organ um also by the way I'm I don't really eat meat um so I don't know I thought about this issue a lot like 
whether it's like right or wrong to like consume like meat and like to kill animals i i would think that harvesting organ is like from a moral perspective it's more justifiable than i think killing and eating the animals for flesh because i think at this point um like there's no need for us to kill animals and eat their flesh because we're at a point where it's like we can definitely still sustain ourselves as like as like a population without the consumption of meat and i think the reason why we still mostly eat meat is because it just like tastes good i mean i see what you're saying like we don't have to eat meat but yeah yeah, like but the people who are dying because they can't get an organ it's it's not really a question of like it's it's they need it it's like saving a person's life yeah Mm -hmm. that's that's what i think because then it's like it's not like oh they just um it's just like a selfish desire it's just because they like having a heart (laughs) of an animal you know it's more like yeah it's it's needed it's like a diet it's like it's like a need rather than a desire and I feel like eating meat is Mm -hmm. more of a desire than a need at this point especially as our population grows I personally think that you know organs it's one thing it's a small number of people that need them it'll be one pig with four different types of organs that can be given to four different people um versus you know one pig feeds a family for a couple meals yeah that lasts in less than a week saves nobody's life it's just a matter of gluttony I, yeah. I I do see what you mean I also think it's like good to like keep in mind that like we also live in America and we're like a pretty well-off country I, I don't mm-hmm. know if that makes sense but it's like like I think when we were discussing how it's like morally maybe not like morally correct to like eat meat and like do all this stuff but then I think most of it comes from the fact that we also, I don't know, like, our lives are, like, pretty good. Like, we don't have to worry too much about, like, food and stuff. So I'm also wondering, like, how this would work in, like, other countries that aren't as well-off as America. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're saying, like, people who are having, like, extreme poverty and famine. Yeah. Like, why would you waste <laughs> Why would you waste that for, I don't know. And also, actually, no, that also just a random thought. Like, if you do harvest organ from, like, pigs and stuff, what would you do with the rest of the body? Would you sell it as meat? So it would be, like, a reverse (laughs) meat industry. So instead of, like, having the meat industry as the basis, it's the organ industry as the basis. And whatever's, like, left over from the animal, then you use that as meat. You can use it. You can use it in the hospital for hospital food. <laughs> oh my god! And the hospital has a butcher uh, portion. New, uh, new addition to the hospital. Okay, I really should be joking about that. It's like kind of disturbing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is a good time to talk about our project and how it could be useful in this field. And so, I guess for people who don't know, um, the title of our podcast: Bluetooth Bacteria is what our project is called. Um, Sabrina, you can keep going. Sorry. Yeah, of course. <laughs> feeling, feeling the whole spotlight. <laughs> oh, no. Just, I'm just a temporary host. <laughs> anyway, so basically our project is that we are using radio waves to activate these 
bacteria, and then we can control that uh, gene expression. So what, what's really cool about this is that we can activate these bacteria or probiotics wirelessly. So we can have the radio waves and it can penetrate deep within tissue. So this would make it really ideal for targeting like specific drug release in a specific location of the body. And you can also use it to target specific organs in the body. So it's like maybe you can use like some sort of like engineered probiotic that responds to radio waves to maybe like activate like anti-rejection drugs like oh that could be something yeah. yeah that's true or like i i'm not sure if there's a function in even some kind of or like a regular organ that like this uh, this system could be useful for just like a normal function to return an organ to its function there are like certain like polycystic kidney disease. I know there are a lot of things that it doesn't do that causes a bunch of cysts to form on the kidneys. Mm. So I, you wonder, and that's a chronic disease. So you can always use that as a way to like make sure the kidney's doing what it's supposed to do. Like if it's not releasing this protein, you can use the probiotic to release a protein at a timed amount or like a specific time. Is that kind of what you mean? Yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. Cool. I couldn't, I couldn't articulate it in the best way at that moment, but thank you. <laughs> well, I think that's all the time we have today for the Bluetooth Bacteria Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, please let us know. You guys can email us at pittsburghigen at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, stay cool, friends. Thank you.